It felt like history repeating itself, and it was, but in reverse. Her grandmother had been rescued from the Nazi regime because of a kind Ukrainian, and Sharon Bass repaid that kindness by welcoming in that Ukrainian's grandchildren. Strange world. Sharon Bass is the granddaughter of an Israeli, Fanya, who fled Germany in World War II. She found a Ukrainian whose kindness welcomed her family in. Sharon grew up hearing about this kind woman named Maria, so when the moment came that Maria's grandchildren were fleeing Ukraine because of this current war, Sharon knew what she had to do. They were a part of the family, she said, even closer than a blood connection. So we took them in, and they're living together even now while they watch with hope that the war will end soon. Even closer than blood, Christians know about all that. The Spirit unites us even closer than family, and it's all because of Jesus' blood. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a series this week called Jesus the Good. Things in this world seem to be going from bad to worse. A worldwide pandemic has not gone away just yet. It might be better where I live in North America, but Germany, New Zealand, Hong Kong, and a few other places are seeing rapidly rising cases. And then there is this invasion of Ukraine. Millions of refugees, thousands of lives lost, bad to worse. So here on Haven Today, we want to turn our eyes to the good. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ walked this earth. He healed, he taught, he cast out demons, he was God in the flesh, or maybe we can say he was good in the flesh. Think about Jesus' conversations with a man who called him good teacher. He said only God is good. If you call Jesus good, you better be prepared to call him God. And John tells us that God became flesh. Good became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is good in person. He is Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the great King. He is Jesus, the good. And in all the miracles and lessons he taught, he was showing us something. He is God and he is good. Yesterday, we talked about the Good Samaritan. When I was in Poland, we met a man who was seeking to do good to his neighbor. His name is Lewis, and he flew from England to Poland to help the refugees. My colleague Dan Warren from our Spanish ministry spoke with him at the train station that was filled with refugees. Now, Lewis, can you describe what's in your cart here? What are you doing here, and, and uh, why are you here to help? I was at home in England, and I'm, I'm starting a new job in about two weeks. Okay. But I had to give him my notice for my original job, and I found myself about two weeks free. So, so you put in your two weeks? Yeah. And you thought, what am I going to do with my two weeks? Yeah. But the flights, they were cheap. Apples, they're cheap. So I just thought I'd hand them out in the train station. A lot more refugees than I thought they would be. So We are surrounded, for the listener who can't see, we are surrounded by what appears to be a mall, but it's the entrance to the bus station. There are thousands of people. Most of them are refugees. Lewis, how many apples do you think you'll be handing out? Um... Ooh, how many is that? There's 50 kilograms here. I did the same yesterday in about an hour. So until 50 kilos out. in an hour. And until yeah. money runs out, you'll be handing out apples. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I've got more than enough money to keep it going. So 
Lewis, that is, that is fantastic. You could do this for a couple of weeks. What is the, you know, what has moved you to be here to do this? I've got a friend. Um, he's actually one of the biggest don- um, people giving me money to help me do this. But he's got a, uh, a daughter from Poland. Uh, I was talking to him about, obviously, what it must be like. Luckily, she's in the UK. But, um, yeah, I just had the free time, and I thought, if there's anywhere I can help. But, I mean, there's already plenty of people. Sure, the Polish people are doing a wonderful job. Yeah, there's already plenty of people handing out, like, water, food, but... The other day I was handing out just sort of like bubbles, pencils for the kids. Right, right. Just, just anything to make them happier because uh, that's probably what they need at the minute. Special thanks to Dan Warren who recorded that moment with Lewis, a good Samaritan helping refugees in Poland. Coming up, we're going to look more at the story Jesus told of the good Samaritan. And we'll also hear from another leader with Samaritan's Purse who helped set up a field hospital in eastern Ukraine. But first, we open the program with Jamie Kimmett. Bad news everywhere. Broken hearts in need of prayer. But there's hope in His grace. And together we can give it away. Why do we hesitate? One day might be too late. We gotta share the gospel from our heart Cause there's no better place to start Oh, love your neighbor Love your neighbor as yourself We got to love one another Oh, love your neighbor as yourself Come on church, let's Jesus' name Love the lost and the hurt 
a Scottish musician there, and Love Your Neighbor. Here in this haven today, Jamie Kimmett. I'm Charles Morris, Jesus the Good, our second day in this series this week. As you and I think about Jesus the Good, we're also thinking about the Good Samaritan. So I want to look again at the story in a moment. But first, I want you to hear an interview that I did with my friend Ken Isaacs when we were both in Krakow last week. He's the vice president for Samaritan's Purse, who oversees their programs and government relations around the world. Ken, tell me, what are you guys doing? You're in Ukraine right now. You can't really tell me where you are in Ukraine, but what are you doing? So uh, we are in Ukraine right now, and we have about 45 staff there. And I'm actually going to tell you where we are because it's become public knowledge. We are in Lviv, L-V-I-V, which is sort of the capital city in the western part. And we have set up a hospital there uh, with two operating rooms. It's, It's still being set up. It's not functioning yet, but we're deeply into it. We're bringing materials and supplies in, humanitarian supplies, um, into Poland, and we're trucking them across. We're flying things in. We brought one airplane load in, uh, I don't know, four or five days ago. We got another airplane load coming tomorrow and another one coming Saturday. Uh, we're looking at also providing uh, clinical care, particularly at the um, central train station in Lviv, where there are between fifty to 65,000 people a day passing through. Um, but we're not under any fire right now, but the expectation is that... Uh, you may be. Yes. It, it, that, that we, and so we marked our hospital uh, with a huge red cross. And uh, it's like 46 feet by 46 feet and 16 feet wide, the, the stripes painting. So we don't want it to be attacked. Uh, and we, we're, we will treat anybody and everybody that comes regardless of who they are, what they do, just based on need. And uh, so we're working there with the Ministry of Health. We're working with doctors. And um, we're trying to get it situated in. But uh, uh, there's just an enormous humanitarian crush right there uh, at the time being. We met a a lady doctor last night at the train station. She said that she'd been working uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, for 10 days. And... um, uh, the guy that was with us, the fellow that was just here a minute ago, he just told her, he said, uh, we're here to help. And she just broke down and started crying and embraced him. And um, so there's this sense of being overwhelmed, but yet people can't quit because it, it's real. You can't get away from it. it it's happening. And um, uh, so I don't know what the outcome will be, but uh, I want to see Samaritan's Purse help in Jesus' name. Uh, even in, in times of crisis. That's what we're trying to do right now. Ken, thank you. The Lord be with you and bless you. And um, I'm glad you're here and on the scene. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Charles, for you coming here uh, to, to take this information back to your listeners. Uh, it's, a, it's a great attribute, I think, to your heart that you would come all this way as well. So thank you. I'm thankful I was able to meet up with Ken Isaacs from Samaritan's Purse. Last time together, we were in Boone, North Carolina. Now, SP is just one of many organizations seeking to love their neighbors in Ukraine right now. We're hearing from so many who are wanting to be good Samaritans at the moment. And so far, we have raised, with your help, over $600,000 for refugee relief in Eastern Europe. 
I've never seen anything like it here at the ministry in my time. We've already sent Mission Eurasia hundreds of thousands of dollars of your gifts. We're sending even more today. Every $50 you send will feed a family of five for a week. Not a dime for Haven. What you give for Ukraine goes to Ukraine and Mission Eurasia. And we'll ask when you call or go to our website, how much for Ukraine, how much for Haven today? We'll honor your request. Here's the number to call. 800 6 800-65-HAVEN. Or online, we're haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. You're listening to Haven Today in a program called Jesus the Good. Jesus did everything good. Like when he turned water into wine, that's his first miracle. The wedding party was running low on wine. A huge embarrassment for a family at a wedding. But this was just the right time for Jesus to show why he came. Wine. Lots of wine. And not the off-brand stuff. The highest quality of wine Jesus provided. And it was all in fulfillment of Isaiah 25, where the prophet envisions the days of the Messiah. When he would provide a feast of well-aged wine, Isaiah saw good days ahead days of salvation. And that first miracle of Jesus at that little wedding there in Cana declared to everyone, those days have arrived. Goodness is here. But goodness isn't just about saving a family from embarrassment or providing wine for a wedding. Goodness looks outward to others and does whatever it can to ensure their life and their future. Yesterday, we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan, but there is so much in this amazing parable that I wanted to look at it again. Remember, Jesus tells this parable when he was in a conversation with a theologian. He was constantly getting into disputes with those theologians of his day. They were either trying to trap him and make him look foolish or trying to flatter him so he would stop criticizing them so much. And keep in mind Many of the religious leaders of the day had become politicians, too, doing whatever they could to maintain social influence, justifying themselves and their actions at every turn. And this conversation was no different. A theologian stood up and, we're told, tried to test Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He knew the answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and Love your neighbor as yourself. But he wasn't looking for a lively discussion about theology. He wanted to close the circle on who he was obligated to love. He asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And isn't that what we ask all the time? We know it's important to love our neighbor, but we get it into our heads that we get to decide who our neighbor is. And one reason we get it wrong so easily is because we misunderstand the story that Jesus told this theologian about the Good Samaritan that comes to us in Luke chapter 10. Of course, we all know the basics of the parable. The man was robbed, left for dead. Two religious Jews passed by and offered no help as they walked not just by, but on the other side of the road. But then there was this good Samaritan who came along. What a powerful story. 
and it's one that a little knowledge of the land of Israel really brings to life. As I said yesterday, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was treacherous. It was a windy path through the wilderness of Judea, a perfect place for bandits to hide and wait for an unsuspecting victim. You didn't want to make that trip alone. Those listening to the story as Jesus told it would have exactly understood what had happened. They probably knew people who had suffered on that very same road, but they didn't expect who the hero in Jesus' story would be. The scribes, the theologians, the priests, and the Pharisees were understood to be the holiest and the most morally upright people of the day. They knew the word. They taught the people. They represented the Lord as they visited the temple to sacrifice and pray on behalf of the people. So what a shocker when Jesus says the priest crossed the road and left this beaten man all alone. This priest might have thought the man was dead, and he didn't want to risk becoming ritually impure. According to Leviticus, if you touched a dead body, you were unclean. And there is a specific order of sacrifices and washings that you must do to become pure once again. It's not a sin to become ritually impure. It just means that you can't go to the temple right away. Maybe this priest didn't want to go through the hassle of all that. But it's right here that Jesus is showing how unloving the priest was. This all happened on that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, not the other way around. The priest had already done his worship and sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. And the same goes for the Levite. The second man who passed by and left the poor beaten man for dead. It was unloving. Because these men who were thought to be the holiest and the best of the Israelites, these men weren't willing to risk spiritual impurity for the sake of preserving life. The Samaritan, though, he had no hesitations like that. He rushed to the Jewish man's aid. He did all that he could to save him. And he did save him, all at his own expense. And that's the real twist of this story. Samaritans were thought to be terrible people. Some of the Jewish believers of the day would refer to Samaritans as dogs, or even call them half-breeds. They weren't thought to be real believers to truly belong to the covenant of the Lord. Yet in this parable, it is the Samaritan who proves to be full of love and concern for his neighbor. It's a reminder that just because you are very religious, it doesn't mean you are good. You might be just like the priest or the Levite. You might be more concerned about your own comfort, your own appearances. You might be leaving people for dead. It's a challenge that each of us must hear and respond to. And it comes back to Jesus' question at the end. Note again how he asked it. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? And if you remember the question that kicked off this parable, you'll notice it was a bit different. The man asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, which of these three proved himself to be a neighbor of this suffering man? What's the point? Well, the point is the world is your neighbor, and especially the hurting and the suffering. And Jesus finishes the parable by saying, go and do likewise. When 
Jesus came to earth as goodness in the flesh. He wasn't just loving his neighbor. He was becoming our neighbor, according to this story. Jesus is the Good Samaritan, and his goodness reaches out to us and makes us whole. And he made himself our neighbor, so that when we turn outward and love the unlovable, even those who threaten our sense of security or our comfort, we honor the Lord our God. He became our neighbor in the gospel so that we can become neighbors to all those who hurt around us. He is Jesus, the good, and he's unfailingly good to us. And it is our joy, by faith, in him to go and do likewise. There is a candle in every soul Some brightly burning, some dark and cold There is a spirit who brings a fire Ignites a candle and makes his home So carry your candle, run to the darkness Seek out the hopeless, confused and
Tricoli, go light your world. I hope you have a sense of that in you today, here on a haven today. And Jesus, the good. Would you like to be a good Samaritan today? Well, we're asking you to join us to pray boldly, but also to give boldly. We're wiring funds directly to Mission Eurasia, which is on the ground even now, and they were all of last week providing food and support to Ukrainian families impacted by this ever-growing war. Every $50 you send feeds a family of five for a week. How many families is the Lord calling you to feed? And once again, not a dime for Haven. We don't take out any administrative costs. And what you give to Ukraine goes to Ukraine. And we will clearly ask how much for Ukraine, how much for Haven today. Here's our phone number. Please call and give boldly after praying boldly. Call us at 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And you can also, if you go to our website, look at our Faith Live blog about Ukraine that we're updating regularly with videos, pictures, and stories. Just remember, it's there at haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you make time and come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Do you remember road trips before we all had GPS on our phones or even in our cars? There was a sense of excitement to it. And that came from never being completely sure that you were going to arrive at your destination without a couple of wrong turns. At least, that's my experience. Sometimes my GPS takes me to the wrong place, too. But how can we be sure there won't be a detour in our relationship with the Lord? Will Jesus ever steer us wrong? Thankfully, one of the most beautiful promises in all the Bible is found in Psalm 148. This God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Our Savior will take us all the way home. Get started with Anchor Devotional today. Visit GetAnchor.com.